Welcome everybody to Book of Boredom podcast. There's been a lot of crazy wacky Mormon shit in the news. Divchina and Ed have been researching it all for me so that I don't have to. Thanks Divchina and Ed. It's like one thing after another after another and you think it can't get wackier and then something (laughs) else happens. For a lot of the population, I don't know if this makes big news, but in our circles it does. I want to try and find the funny aspect of all of these gruesome things. (laughs) If I can't laugh at religion, life's not worth living. We've been reading Heather Gay's Bad Mormon book. I no. Before that, we were following Lori Vallow's case, then the height murder obituary, then in between popped up Samuel Bateman stuff with transporting girls in a trailer. Oh, yeah, I remember that one. Temple ordinance changes. I've been aware of all of these things happening, but just sort of very briefly. Patience, something interesting on Reddit is a discussion about the concern for the Russian saints. Mormons. It's okay for you to use the word Mormons. Mormons, <laughs> the Mormon converts. Once the American elders and senior couples were pulled from Russia, it became increasingly evident that the warden stake leadership was reliant on the temporary imported priesthood. <laughs> This is another good line. A lot of the converts would fall under the category of Americanophile. (laughs) That's great. Many joined the church because they loved the American missionaries and the English language classes they taught. Right. Once it changed from English classes to gospel lessons in English language, many of these people started to become increasingly disinterested. Once the American missionaries left, many of the Americanophile converts didn't see any reason to continue attending. I haven't heard that. This is news. I love it. The Mormonism is alien to the culture. Oh, totally. It doesn't even fit into, you know, the orthodoxy, the Christianity and all of that. No. And so what's the reason that people got sold on it? Well, it's the potential to immigrate. That's what's been happening with a lot of the Latin Americans. One of the siblings, my ex, well, he served a mission in Latin America. He brought the wife back. <laughs> and then she brought her parents. I'm not disparaging the people. I mean, I'm an yeah. immigrant too, right? We're all pretty close to an immigrant from somewhere. I mean, how long has my family been in Australia, right? It can't be that long. Well, yeah. <laughs> Isn't the ex-Soviet bloc traditionally not religious? Isn't that a whole thing of communism, that they're not big on religion? Yeah, I grew up atheist. Right. I was... 1617 when Soviet Union fell apart. I mean, there was indoctrination, but that's where once I realized just how much indoctrination Mormonism does, I mean, it blew me away because my Soviet experience is that we didn't have that much indoctrination like the Mormonism does. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think so. Yeah, it's interesting. I want to tie that into what we're learning from Heather Gay, who is a celebrity from the Housewives of Salt Lake City TV show, which is now in third season or fourth season. Oh, please do, Ed. Tie it all together for me. I can see the connections here. You've got this oppressive regime in Mormonism and you've got oppressive political regimes also in the world and they share a lot in common. In fact, I've said before that Mormonism is a lot like a corrupt government or even just a regular government because all governments are corrupt in some way. But it's a 
control structure. And here in Utah, it's a theocracy. Mm -hmm. And so the Mormon church really has a lot of influence in the government. Thus, the wine and liquor can only be bought at state-owned liquor stores. All right. So this weekend, Salt Lake City is hosting the NBA National Basketball Association All-Star Games. Ooh. So there's tourists from all over. And they can't drink. <laughs> and the government is putting up a state-owned liquor tent to sell liquor oh. and alcohol to these tourists. So it's like a pop-up government liquor store. A pop-up liquor circus. <laughs> But back to Heather Gay. Her framework collapsed, not so much because she got disillusioned with the cult. Her rug was pulled from under her because she followed all the steps that Mormonism prescribes, married and sealed in the temple, and ultimately he divorced her. Then her whole framework fell apart. It's like, whoa, wait a minute. It's supposed to be sealed for eternity. What now? That's how easily the house of cards falls apart from a Mormon. They don't really know what to do with themselves after a divorce, do they? Because it's just like they don't have a plan for it in their dogma. I mean... Once again, depends on individual, I imagine, but this is her story. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it probably depends, too, if you're a man or a woman, because a woman's salvation depends on sealing to the man. So he can be sealed and then resealed and resealed, where she can't, she has to undo. He's like a Tupperware container. He's resealable. Right. He's <laughs> totally resealable. And so he may get up to heaven and have his three or four partners up there, but she's dependent upon him. She's a single is freeze a bag and then she's a used piece of gum (laughs) (laughs) so tell me more about something or other gay great surname Heather Gay Heather Gay and is Heather Gay gay no no oh that's a shame that's not her maiden last name she kept husband's last name oh so he's gay but not really that's just his surname right (laughs) no her teacher of French in the missionary training center turned out gay (laughs) but she thought he had a crush her. Yeah, she was in love with him. Frere Beaufort, or whatever oh, it is. Oh, yes. <laughs> She's so in love with her teacher, and she thinks he's in love with her. Then all of a sudden, they get announced that they're going to go to this other classroom. Uh. So they go to this other classroom mm-hmm. that has one of those one-way mirrors in it. <laughs> so there's people on the other side watching the class. Oh. Then they get done, and then the teacher disappears. And it's because he was gay, and you can't have that, teaching your Mormon their language to save souls. So was there somebody from higher up in the church watching through the one-way mirror? Well, maybe more than one. Who knows what's behind that mirror? You know, it's kind of like that veil, right? (laughs) (laughs) Seeing through the veil. Put your hand through the veil. Ouch, I just broke a window. (laughs) Was she a missionary? Like, that's unusual for a woman, right? Yeah, she was a missionary in France. For her time, it was probably unusual. It's becoming more usual in Mormonism from what I understand. But she went on a mission because by the age of 21, she still wasn't married. Right. And then a mother of a friend of hers offered to pay for her mission. And so she went on a mission. And did she leave the church at least mentally while she was on her mission or how did it all break down for her no it really appears that it broke down with the divorce Mm. 
And I don't know if she's out or not. We haven't gotten that part or if she's just disillusioned. Oh, so she hasn't left the church. Well, I'm not sure. Hmm. I don't know where she's at now, but she's trying to capitalize on her fandom of the show, <laughs> which I'm not disparaging. We live in capitalistic market economy. It's okay to disparage it. Maybe she's a bit of a something. Well, she's a bit of an entrepreneur and self-promoter. <laughs> and I think she'd say that. She's a boss bitch. <laughs> you know, women are getting theirs now. Yay. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> I still applaud her for writing the book. Oh, definitely. And I wonder if her book is the first book that describes the temple rituals in the detail that it does. That might be the significance of her book. Yes, you can go online and watch some videos of secret recordings and you can do a search and the temple rituals are described, but maybe through her popularity on the show, <laughs> maybe the book will get some attention. Right. Yeah, and it's a pop culture book. It's not deep. It's very fast reading pop culture shallows. So the fact that it describes so much in depth, I think Ed has a real point. It's not like a scientific deep dive into deep Mormonism, you know? No. And you don't have to go deep yeah. <laughs> into Mormonism before you hit something that looks like a turd. I'm like, well, why is this this? And I stop and I'm like, oh, it's not supposed to make sense. <laughs> I'm thinking too hard. <laughs> don't hurt myself, you know? I keep saying, if only Mormons would truly, really read the Book of Mormon. Just really read it. I don't think they read it. Just read it because this shit is insane. Did you get that burning in the bosom? I got a burning in my brain, Divchina. <laughs> Just <to laughs> That's a sign from God, man. He's been telling you. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I go to these classes sometimes at the library and it's fun to kind of meet people. So I'm sitting next to this lady and she's an older woman. I start talking to her and she starts talking to me about the temple and <laughs> about knitting and all that. And so she's like, yes, and that's my mommy. And I said, what? Yeah, that's my mommy. And she's 13 years younger than me. Oh. Let's call the lady I was talking to Emma and the other lady, Sarah. Okay. So Sarah is 13 years younger than Emma and Sarah's a neighbor, right? All right. So mom's in the hospital. Dad would come and like chat up with Sarah while visiting Emma. Then as soon as mom dies, dad calls up his daughter, Emma, and says, hey, can I court your friend, Sarah? And Emma's like, uh, sure. Yes, that'd be awesome. A couple months later, dad and Sarah get married. Of course they do. They take off the garter and he pulls it off with his teeth. His old rotting teeth with gold crowns. And she's laughing and I'm like, oh my God. I'm kind of horrified for her. <laughs> and then this leather lady comes over and puts her arms around her stepmom and starts kissing her on the top of the head. I don't know. That's not normal, is it? Because to me, that's just like way not normal. And the fact she's sharing this with a stranger she met 15 minutes ago. That's why she's sharing it, Divchina. There's something inside of her that's saying, this doesn't feel normal. And I feel like I need to tell someone so that they can help be a barometer for me. <laughs> That's what humans do. <laughs> I mean, I guess all of these people were all adults, right? It's just weird ages and very strange. But, you know, well, hey, he's getting his dick wet and I'm sure he's enjoying it. And she's getting kisses on her head and I'm sure she's not enjoying that. And I don't know what to think about all of that. 
<laughs> now he's since passed. So he's up in Celestial Kingdom with wife number one. Uh. And now wife number two, when she passes, will be joining as well. The three of them will be creating souls. Good God. Isn't it great that all of this is bullshit and they're not really creating souls? Because those children would not want to be created. They'd look at their parents and go, fuck no, take your genetic material and go and spooge on the wall. <laughs> They look at people and say, well, those who were born into a Mormon family, they're the more righteous spirits than the ones that are born into a convert family or who converted themselves. And obviously those who rejected Mormonism, they're the Antichrists. And then they justify violence this way. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're seeing with Chad Dable and Lori Vallow, is that they go around assigning who is a dark spirit, who is a light spirit, who is good, who is bad, and the primordial existence, that's part of it. Those who are the valiant spirits, they are born into the right kind of family. The height murders. It's once again related to a divorce. So in uh, Heather Gay's situation, all right, well, you know, nobody got murdered. In the case of the height family, well, he killed five kids, his wife and his mother-in-law and himself. But with Lori Vallow, we're seeing kind of a similar thing. Chad Dable is her fifth husband. Her two prior husbands, if not three, two at least, right, that she murdered. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, there's another book that I tried to read before Heather Gay's book came out is by Leah Sotile, and it's called When the Moon Turns to Blood. And it delves into the Lori Vallow situation, but it kind of extrapolates it a little bit wider to this extremism based on the Book of Revelation. A lot of crazy fanatics, you know, they just take it to heart. And it's because it says the most diabolical shit. That's why people just zoom to that book. I mean, if you're reading most of the rest of the Bible, it's pretty dry. They only focus on the bits that are truly fantastic, like Daniel, or if they just want to make up any new shit, they go for Isaiah where it could mean anything you wanted it to mean because it's just too garbled. And there are Lutherans and Catholics and Orthodox groups that will not include Revelation in their services or are very cautious with the book of Revelations. Right. Because from their perspective, Revelations is written in code, in metaphors. It's not a literal text that's written when the Christians are under persecution, etc. So it is not to be taken literally. It's a good start. Then there's Adventists, Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormons, and a lot of these doomsday cults that really focus on Revelations. And Revelations is a prescription <laughs> for what is to happen. Mm. That's where some of these really strange things come out. Mormonism wants to make them look like extremists, but they're all based on Mormon dogma. You know, this whole Revelation piece is very much part of Mormonism. This is where the funny bit comes in. <laughs> they're your next door neighbors who are preppers with 50 years worth of wheat supply and a bunker dug in. By the way, they arrested somebody in Australia who built a bunker underneath his house, has a bunch of weapons and even a shooting range. Underneath the house, it's yeah. got a shooting range. Oh my <laughs> God. <laughs> and like the Mormon church, they have a big business of selling stuff to preppers. Oh. So people are like giving up their 401ks, that's their retirement, so that they can buy prepper goods or congratulations for your wedding, we're going to give you 50 pounds of wheat. <laughs> and they buy this from the Mormon church. Yep. Prepper grains. But that's what Chad Daybill's books were about, right? About the tent cities and about the 144,000. 
<laughs> you know, and when the end of day is gonna come. So a few weeks ago, when people were getting messages from their wards, drop everything and go to the temple now? Do you know what I'm thinking? Oh my gosh, is this like... Get to the temple to drink the Kool-Aid. <laughs> yes! And all it is, is just they changed their temple ceremony to have more video and PowerPoint. And so now do all those dead people have to get ordinated again? Do they? We don't know yet. Well, people are asking those questions, yeah. Uh, we were talking about a bunch of cases. Do you want us to maybe break them down? Yeah, let's go back a bit. Tell me where the eight people died. What's the motives and how did this all start? Michael Haight comes home. Haight? His name's Haight. H-A-I-G-H-T. I just love these Mormon surnames. Haight and gay. <laughs> now, if they could only get to get... Well, actually, we don't want that to get together. Don't hate the gays. Oh, Jesus. His wife, Tasha started paperwork for divorce from him. He had a violent past, although everybody thought he was such a great member of the community. Uh, he had a past of choking his daughter so much that ah, she went to the police. Jesus. Small town Utah, you know, everybody's your brother or your sister or your elder or your bishop. Or oh, sometimes all six. Yes. <laughs> so he kills his family. He kills himself. The obituary comes out talking about how wonderful he is, how he's a family person. He loves his children. He loves his wife. He's such a good guy. That's right. I remember this. Eventually it was taken down. What a guy killed everyone. Yeah, the guy who killed everyone. <gasps> but part of me is like, she's trapped for eternity now because he killed her before they could get unsealed. So now they're in the celestial kingdom and she's trapped making spirit babies for him. <sighs> Isn't it interesting how it's always the husband? Always. Except with Lori Vallow. Right, right. Femme fatale. There was a letter that went out in 2020 reminding leaders of the Mormon church that they are not to testify in court cases unless it goes through the church allowing them to do so. Somebody who commented was a prosecutor and was so happy about that letter because they had all different kinds of cases that a man was on trial for something and the bishop would always come at his defense. Right. All Mormons believe they're going to be together in the afterlife, but they don't go around killing each other mostly, right? <laughs> so what else was the difference here? The only thing that they have so far is her in the process of filing for divorce. Maybe it's just one of those garden variety domestic things that happens all over the country, sadly. A relationship comes to an end and people get violent about it. I mean, that's as old as time itself, isn't it? People don't kill strangers as much as people that they know. That's right because you don't feel anything about a stranger, but someone you know you have mm -hmm. invested emotions in. Yep. Divorces are not pretty by and large. No. Just in Mormonism and cults, there is this extra motive of this ceiling. And I almost don't want to say they're focused on the family because really and truly what they achieve is they're destroying families because mm -hmm. if a family member leaves the church, then they ostracize them and break ties with their own progeny and don't show any emotion. Very callous. I've been surprised reading the stories on Reddit over the years now where parents would confront their children when their children either decide to leave the church or come out about something and they're just like, no. It just like changes from night to day. I think maybe because so much of their world is caught up in that belief set and that social construct, it's like you're doing something equivalent to stabbing them in the back or something. They need perspective. 
part of psychology is definitely that it reflects bad on them. Mm. It jeopardizes their own exaltation or whatever it is. Yeah. There's the us versus them psychology too, where the good ones and they're the bad ones. And so they ostracize partly because that reflects badly on them or it hurts them. But it's also back to this, the person is under the influence of Satan. We are the righteous ones and we are to protect ourselves. And so much language in Mormonism is about violence. The Book of Mormon is very violent. Oh, it is. Yeah. And that's what keeps coming out with Under the Banner of Heaven, now with this Lori Vallow's case. More and more about the violence is coming out. Right, right. The other thing I think that is unique to Mormonism is this concept of this personal revelation. <laughs> yes. Now, I think there's a lot of Christian traditions where you have personal relationship with God, but this idea that God is giving you this revelation, absolving you, telling you what to do. Mm. The book Under the Banner of Heaven, it talks a lot about this personal revelation being something that excuses someone from their own desires. It's not me wanting, I'm just following what God wants me to do. So I'm absolved. I have no guilt in this. That's right. You know, I'm doing what I'm told. Doing it for the Lord. Yes. Lying for the Lord, killing for the Lord. Having extra wives for the Lord. Mm-hmm. Gotta catch them all for the Lord. <laughs> well, and then if God told me something and God told you something. <laughs> and we see this happening all the time between churches, between people groups. Everyone has different ideas and they clash and hello wars. There's no real solution to it either, but yeah. mm-hmm. the more we can sort of not be too extreme, the more we can head towards the middle, the less people are going to get hurt probably, maybe. <laughs> People are dying from homelessness and freezing on the streets of Utah. And it's the Methodists who opened up their building so that people could stay there at night and warm up. Not the Mormons. Showing the love of Jesus. Imagine that, huh? Oh, can you imagine? Like clothing the naked and feeding the hungry where the Mormons' answer is, oh, you need to be self-reliant. Well, tell that to people freezing to death. Exactly. I mean, what amazing things they could do to this city. Sure. And you know who's doing it? The Catholics and Lutherans and the Methodists. Well, Lori Vallow has a solution. Yeah, what's that? Find a guy, marry him, take <laughs> out a life insurance, and then murder him and pocket million bucks. And then you're going to be self-reliant. Tell us all about this crazy woman and her crazy family and just what's going down. A good place to start is where this gains notoriety. And then we'll go back because once you find out what's happened, then you see, oh my gosh, there's a whole pattern of psycho stuff leading up to this. Story time! This lady, Lori Vallow, got all into this guy named Chad Daybell. Chad Daybell's wife dies. Lori Vallow and Chad Daybell take off for Hawaii and get married there and disappear. Well, Lori has two kids. JJ, who was adopted, and Tylee. And people are saying, well, where are these two kids? They find mom in Hawaii with her new husband, Chad Daybell, and then they bring them back to Idaho. Sometime in this, they find the remains of the children in Daybell's Pet Cemetery. And so now they've been put into jail in 2020 and then COVID. She was found that she was not fit to stand trial and then they found that she is fit to stand trial. They've been in jail this whole time and they are set for the trial now to begin on April 3rd. I don't know yet if we can watch it or listen to it as it's happening. We could just podcast over each episode of that. (laughs) This is her fifth husband. Right. I think two are dead. 
One was killed by her brother, supposedly in self-defense. One was, so they didn't do an autopsy, but they decided natural causes. Daybell's first wife, married for many years, wrote a number of books together that Mormon primary teachers used. And then he wrote novels and things like that that were sold in Deseret, the Mormon bookstore. And so now part of this trial, too, is his wife, because she died of, I guess, natural causes, too. (laughs) This brother who killed one of Lori's ex-husbands, he's also dead of natural causes. So now they're looking at these patterns of death. Chad Daybell would do presentations at Mormon churches about prepping and such. Were they at the mainstream LDS church? Oh, yeah. So they'd get Elder Daybell in to tell you how to build a dungeon in the bottom of your house so that you can (laughs) store all your goods and shit and make love to your seven wives endlessly on a rotation or something hideous like that. And he had like podcasts and he was kind of this mini celebrity within these pockets. He started doing readings on people. Readings. He found a necklace in the temple. It's part of Mormonism that objects have power. Well, of course, just like a rock. Just like Joseph Smith's rock. So he (laughs) said this necklace had power. Uh, Yes. And he could tell by swinging this necklace he found in the temple, like if people are on the dark side or the light side. At some point, he went too far and was eventually excommunicated. Oh. You know, when he was talking about all this prepper stuff, they had standing room only meeting houses where he and these people were presenting. And Lori just fell for him. And he had a near-death experience that allowed him to see before the veil so he could see the pre-existence. What did he say? And he knew he and Lori had been married five times in past lives. Of course they had. Uh Uh-huh. I promise, Lori, it's not my penis telling me this. It's God. Yes! We've been together and we need to be together now. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Somebody's there with their spouse and someone will say, well, we've been married in a past life in front of the spouse. Like, come on, that's kind of... That's really cutting in, isn't it? <laughs> Maybe their kids killed themselves. Hey, they were wanting to see through the veil just like daddy. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I doubt that very much, but, um, yeah. you know... Oh, it's just so bonkers. Well, a lot of this was money, too. There was a life insurance on her fourth husband. Charles Vallo, yeah. Yeah, he changed the beneficiary to his sister. Uh. He died and Lori was so angry. I think was trying to sue for the life insurance that he moved over to his sister's because he had serious concerns. Yeah, there's a body cam video from the police where, yeah, he's talking to the police. He's like, she's gone off the deep end. But Kay is his sister, Charles Vallow, switched the life insurance to her and she is the grandmother of JJ. So she's grandmother, but JJ got adopted by Charles and Lori because JJ's mom or something was a drug addict. Kay wanted to adopt him. Kay and Larry. Uh, Larry is Kay's husband, but they're older than Charles. And so thought, you know, it's better for the kid to have younger parents. But Kay and Larry were having regular meetings with JJ. So when Kay and Larry weren't able to have communications, that's when they started ringing the bells and calling the police departments. And so by the time the police department found Lori in Rexburg, Idaho, where BYU, Idaho is, the FBI was already involved. That's where Lori 
is just saying, oh, JJ is with Melanie Gibb, her friend in Arizona. And then she calls Melanie and asks her to lie to the police. And it looks like Tylee is actually born of her. Yes, it must be the third marriage. And I think he's passed away too because she was collecting social security on both of the kids after they were killed. <sighs> Can we jump forward to Rusty with his temple changes? And I saw the headline and it said, you know, there's lots of Jesus in the changes and they've taken out some parts. What have they taken out? What have they focused on? Because I really feel like Rusty's got this agenda to make over the mainstream Mormon church as a standard denomination of Christianity. The only way that it's become more Christian is by inserting Jesus. That's right. <laughs> Even though when Adam shows up in the video, Adam shows up with that baker's hat on. A baker's hat? Well, you know how they have these temple clothes and men have what people call the baker's hat. Oh, yeah. I think I've seen that. The Masonic ritual garb. That's what that's about. Right. In the video that they play, apparently the Mormon order of creation was not like the biblical order of creation. And apparently with these changes, they reordered the order of creation to be more biblical. So that gets them closer to mainstream Christianity. And then the other changes seem to be more logistical. Oh. There's no witness couple, which means they don't need an extra elderly volunteer couple. Oh. And also the handshakes are demonstrated on the video. And that way, once again, they need fewer temple workers. The whole idea to try to align them more with Christianity... I don't really buy that as much because what's going on inside the temple is still secret. It's not really visible to the public. Okay. But the switch more to video and fewer temple workers, that I can see their motivation. Because they don't have the temple workers. They don't have people to staff, yeah. They're losing numbers, so they have to use a computer. <laughs> <laughs> and then there was a post on Reddit. People chimed in saying that, well, yeah, they're having these appointments. Basically, the temples are not open as much because they don't have the people to staff. And then, of course, <laughs> you know, that also raises questions for the places where they're proposing to open temples where they're not going to be able to staff them. And then, of course, possibly the changes are just to keep people engaged because, yeah, it caused a spike. <laughs> and now people will be buzzing with these ideas of, oh, do we need to redo this on the people that we already did? And so it creates more buzz, you know, among them. So it could be just making changes to keep people changes. Just for the hell of it. Just to keep churning the butter of Mormonism until a nice thick glob. Oh. I don't know. From what you've been saying, I think they're automating the process like an abattoir. They're turning these temples into automated processing units where you make an appointment online and then you show up at your appointed time and you get greeted by an AI that tells you everything you have to do. If you have questions, the AI can answer. The AI Joseph Smith. AI Joe. <laughs> Welcome, pilgrim, to my empty house where God doesn't live, you're going <laughs> to love your 30 minutes here as you just stand on this conveyor belt and go through. There'll be a robotic arm that hands you a hat in a moment and you can put that on and then you can do all your hand signals with this robot over here and then you'll be out before you know it and back for Christmas. I love it. With a Mormon temple, they don't even need deep learning. They use a special technology called shallow learning. It's like artificial intelligence, but there's no intelligence. Comes up to our ankles only, right? It's just artificial. Artificial, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
just like that Bishop's Handbook gem about artificial insemination. Right? Wasn't that crazy? <laughs> it didn't get as much attention as this vasectomy one. Yes, that's right. If you're planning to have a vasectomy, go and tell your bishop. Who's going to do that for starters? Some people said they did. Oh, God. That's for you and your doctor. Mm-hmm. What if bishop is your doctor? <laughs> well, then you're fucked. <laughs> They need to have separation of church and medical. All right, there are a couple of other little side topics that have come up along the way. One was from a little while ago, Divchina, that you posted to me. The Joseph Smith India World Peace Dome. Oh my God, even that's a mouthful. Why does everything Joseph Smith has to do with such a mouthful? They were talking about how it shows how prominent Joseph Smith is to be part of this. In the statue, he has, I think, a Hindu pose. (laughs) He's wearing some sash or something, isn't he? Yeah, and he's wearing some sash that goes right down to the... Down to his dick. Yes. It's pointing at it. It looks like a giant wishbone with the handle sort of being his zipper. And I'd never heard of this thing before, you know. I don't know what it takes to be part of the World Peace Dome or, you know, if anybody recognizes it, but... It's such an oxymoron because, like, apparently a part of Mormonism, they don't have it built into their religion that they're people of peace. They are happy to take up arms and fight for a cause. Hence, Smitty being able to get that army together. He couldn't get the full 500 that God wanted him to get. And this article, too, ties into, was he a senator, a representative from Oregon? Gordon Smith. And he talked about how in his position, his priority was not to his constituency. His priority was to the church. And he brokered some deals in his role as a U.S. congressman for visas for missionaries to go to India. All right. They called him and said, how many do you want? And he said 200. And so he was working with some volunteer attorneys and the Indian embassy or whatever to get these missionaries to go to India because it was closed to Mormon missionaries. Right. It's very interesting. This comes along sometime later in India. Hey guys, I'm going to wrap it up there. This has been one of the most (laughs) interesting chats I've had uh, in the last couple of weeks, which is great because I spend a lot of time now at work being bored. So it's great on the weekend to be able to have interesting chats with interesting people. Well, good luck. We're trying to make this funny. Yeah, good luck. I had a few good laughs along the way. We tried. We'll put it out there and hopefully some people will chuckle along. Sounds good. Sounds good. You take care. Be safe. Happy Friday night. Bye. Bye. (laughs) I guess this is my new normal.